zip lock that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Hello everyone, TC here. Randy is off this week. Uh, he is actually en route to Ohio for the UC-Miami basketball game. Miami's got a, a plucky, dangerous squad this year, so hoping uh, hoping they get the W over the Bearcats. In the meantime, would like to just say a Thank you to one of our sponsors for today's episode, Precision Pro. Listen, we love all of our sponsors. I think I love Precision Pro the most. They've been such a wonderful partner. Um, they keep kind of filling out their their product line. They've got the new Ace speaker that just came out. Great holiday gift. Super strong magnet. Fits to the side of the golf cart. Great sound. You can get yardages from it. Find my range finders on that. All sorts of great features there. The NX9 range finder, just a a workhorse rangefinder, super accurate, super reliable, batteries for life, uh, all that. Like they're basically Precision Pro has just been such a wonderful sponsor that's that's helped us focus on quality of our content, right? They they try to stay stay in the background, uh, make it additive for the viewer, for the listener, and we appreciate the heck out of them and are excited to work with them for the next couple of years. So, um, without further ado, I think uh, you know wanted to talk some college football today but didn't want to do so solo so I had trouble going to sleep last night I was so excited about the just all the the, the Brian Kelly bombshell from uh, Notre Dame to LSU the Lincoln Riley news from Sunday I'm recording this Tuesday morning uh, November 30th uh, just all sorts of fun stuff going around in college football you know a friend of mine the other day said uh, Jerry Bell said College football, it's like a TV show. It's not like they don't like the football. That people like TV, and and football is the TV. And I think that that rings more true. It's kind of getting like I've kind of fallen out of love with college football over the last couple of years. And this coaching cycle, the outrageousness of it, and just all this stuff juxtaposed with the NIL stuff. I think Jason Kirk had a had a great tweet about how you know, of course, like we 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 can't pay the players. We we don't have enough money to pay the players. So Applebee's has to pay the players. Meanwhile, they're signing all these coaches to eight, ten, twelve million dollar a year contracts. It's 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 incredible. But uh, wanted to get a true expert on. Called up Bunky Perkins this morning. Bunky was gracious enough to hop on the blower and uh, and really touch base about where things sit right now. Bunky, how about you last see, night? It was wild, wasn't it? We were texting back and forth like it. Uh, it was nutty. I think the only thing that that, that could have made it better was the pole assassin getting involved. Well, I, I, I like to think that, that the pole assassin and her monkey, they were the tipping point for all this. Like they really kicked this off. It didn't really become the silly season in college football until the monkey attack. It's uh that, that feels like it was six months ago. Now, <laughs> where do we start? Do we start with, we start with Lincoln Riley. Uh, you're, you're located in Oklahoma. What's the vibe out there? Oh man, they OU fans are butt hurt. Like they are finally getting the taste of what everybody else gets a taste of, which is essentially like their coach bailing on them at some point. And I mean, this real has never really happened at OU. I mean, Stoops retired, but there was an immediate plan in place uh, for Riley. But yeah, they are 
They are Kevin Durant leaving the Thunder levels of butthurt. <laughs> it's extra rich coming from them, given the way that they left the the uh, Big Twelve as well, right? Right. It's like fellas, fellas, you just <laughs> turn your back on everybody you play on a consistent basis, including your in-state rival. Let's you know, glass houses and whatnot. In the most secretive, you know, clandestine way possible, too. Right, um, right. Like just the the exact way they they just got treated the exact way they treated everybody else, and and they can't. The great thing about it is they are flabbergasted that anyone would ever leave Norman, <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like you know anybody dogging Lincoln Riley. Like I would have absolutely made the same decision to go to L.A. Get the bag, get the private jet, get the house. You know all that stuff. Load it up and and not have to deal with the SEC. You're in a major media market. It's like that's a no brainer to me, right? Well, like I, I'm going to talk about it from a very practical standpoint, which obviously is not the way you want to talk about these college football. But like, let's let's think about what OU is, right? OU recruits on a national level, just like all big programs: Alabama, USC, you know, Ohio State, but. The foundation of all of those programs is based in the state that they're in, right? Yeah. You look at like LSU in their heyday. Yeah, they brought in Joe Burrow, guys like that. But like their foundation was they recruited Louisiana. And if you recruit Louisiana well, you are going to be a good football team more times than not. And the problem in Oklahoma is there's only two major cities in the entire state. There's Oklahoma, Oklahoma City and Tulsa. You, you would think that Oklahoma City being the capital and the larger city would have better football. But actually, Tulsa has better high school football. Most of the prospects come out of Tulsa. And the problem is you're also competing with Arkansas, which is an hour and 20 minutes away from Tulsa, you know, not to mention Texas, Texas A&M. And so you just don't have, like, the depth of talent to build your roster. And you see that time and time again when OU steps out in conference and plays these SEC teams, they get boat raced. And so I think Lincoln Riley, you know, naturally, okay, how can I compete on a national level year in and year out building a recruiting foundation? Okay, like California seems like a really good place to start. Yeah, Half his recruiting class for OU this coming year was built out of California. Yeah. So whether that was intentional or not, it was a really good move by him. It's going to be fascinating to see how many of those four and five stars immediately sign with uh, USC. Oh, I bet you it's a lot of them, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, getting to the LSU side of things, I think that's what that, I'm just, my mind is fucking blown <laughs> still. Like, I, I, I woke up this morning thinking that, like, was that a dream last night that Brian Kelly, like, I think I texted you and Randy at, you know, six o'clock ish and saying, Hey, like, you know, this is like, this is an outrageous rumor. Like, like this, this would be so awesome if this was true. Cause it's going to yield so much great content. And our, our main takeaway was like, yeah, but like, it'll never happen. He's just trying to get a raise from Notre Dame. And sure enough, like an hour and a half yeah, later, I think, I think your, I think your text to me was, Hey, this is just a play to get a raise. Right. I'm like, Oh yeah, he'll never go to LSU. And within the next hour, <laughs> He's announced as LSU's head coach. Yeah, that that is a wild move uh, uh, for LSU and for Brian Kelly. Like, I, you know, the, the more I think about it, like the immediate thought is, okay, like that guy is such a terrible fit for LSU, like culturally. It's amazing. But <laughs> but but like you're coming, you you are literally coming off of the guy 
who was the cultural fit, like the, the yeah. culturalist of cultural fits for LSU and Ed Orgeron. And you kicked his ass to the curb with the minute things started going south. And so maybe that doesn't matter because Nick Saban sure as hell won there and he was not a cultural fit for Louisiana. He like he he almost like he almost took that job like with disdain. Like you could tell it was almost painful for him to have to go to like the, the local Kiwanis meeting in Jennings, Louisiana <laughs> to deal with those coonasses down there. I feel like and Saban so, though, like, like Saban at, at, at least can, you know, he just seems like so much more of a straight shooter. Hey, I'm here to coach football. Whereas Brian Kelly, you know, all the bullshit motivational tactics and, and, you know, all the nonsense that he did up at Notre Dame and, and just, just like his general demeanor. Like he just seems like so much more of a cop, right? Like it, it kind of reminds me of like Prez Belusky taking over the, the classroom in, in the wire where they're like, man, like, fuck you coach Presbo. Like, you know, like, like I, I can't wait to see Brian Kelly interacting with, with not only like rural Louisianans and, and, you know, going in and eating spicy food and like his, his head exploding, but also like, you know, a lot of the guys on that roster, like you're, you're going from two very different, complete opposite ends of the spectrum as far as academic institutions. Yeah. And I, I mean, academically and just institutionally, LSU has some serious budget problems. Like I realize that they're just now, you know, paying Brian Kelly nine and a half million dollars for 10 years to coach their football program. But like the the institution of LSU has some serious financial problems, not even to mention like the Title IX stuff that is going on currently outside the athletic program within it really and so yeah he, he the great thing about it though is like he comes off like he tries to be like the big alpha guy or whatever like buddy let me tell you something you are not the alpha in the lsu coaching circles that belongs to kim mulkey like she's got bigger nuts than anybody in that athletic part but you're not messing with her I, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of other coaches that that would be a, a a more insane cultural fit. Like I tweeted yesterday about Coach O taking like the BC job, or uh, you know Pat Fitzgerald going to Auburn or something like that. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of other just completely outrageous fits. Lane Kiffin at Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lane, I need I need like Lane at I need Lane at the U. I think that's that's a match made in heaven. I know. I know I don't that think probably going to happen this year. I know it's that, not going to happen this year. I know that I probably think. hurts you, Bunky. You know, as, as well. So here, here's guy. what I here's what I know. I know for a, I don't want to say a fact, but like a very, uh, I, I would say I'm very confident in this is that he has a contract offer from Ole Miss on the table for seven and a half million per uh, for six years. I think he probably signs that because Miami's not going to come open, I don't think, unless they hire an athletic director like tomorrow. Now, granted, like everybody that was at Miami other than the head coach just left to go to SMU. So, like, I don't even know what kind of coaching staff they're going to have if, if they retain everybody. But I, he might – I mean, he's going to leave eventually, right? Like, I don't think there's any illusions about, like, him being a lifer at Oxford. But – I don't think it he's going to leave this year, but like clearly I've been wrong about everything, so it might leave today. Who knows? And he's got his little girlfriend down there and all that, right? It's it's you know there's there's plenty of things keeping him in Oxford. I think there's you know I just man like what a perfect fit, right? I think in this Mel Tucker in this post Mel Tucker era we're living in now, you know is is six years seven and a half million dollars a year 
enough? Well, so that, that's the problem with Mississippi in general. So if you're a state employee, which Lane Kiffin is, and so, so is uh, Mike Leach, you can only have a four-year contract. You can't have anything longer than that in okay. the state. And so basically you've got a four-year contract and then like an agreement to roll it over for a number of years and you can't exceed a certain number. And so that's like a state thing. That's not like Ole Miss being cheap or anything like that, but literally is, you know, they're kind of hamstrung in that. So, uh, but I mean, seven and a half, I mean, I don't know what he's making now. I think it's like five. That's a significant raise. I mean, granted, look, we just won 10 games for the first time in the regular season ever. I know that sounds crazy, but Ole Miss has never done that. They've won 10 before, but not in the regular season. Yeah. Like they have a legitimate shot to win 11 games, which, hey, man, pay him whatever he needs to be paid, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, says the guy that's not writing the checks. You know, I, I don't know, man. You you keep on your, you know, your uh, your oil baron uh, trajectory. You, you may be writing the checks one day, Bunky. On that front, too, I mean, like, it was crazy to me how how little, and this is all relative, but how little Brian Kelly was making at Notre Dame, too. Like, it, it, was, it wasn't even remotely close. Um, and I guess there was, some, you know, some stories I'd heard where, like, he, he wanted the coaching staff to be able to fly first class when they were recruiting. They're one of the few institutions that doesn't allow them to do that. Just, you know, other facilities upgrades, stuff like that. But, it, it, I don't know, it's just so funny to me that... that they're acting all jilted and like, you know, Brian Kelly just like stood him up at the altar. He did the exact same thing at Cincinnati, like during the isn't team it great, banquet. But isn't know? it great to watch Notre Dame get bodied by a big paycheck? Oh, it's awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, I, I don't, I, Brian Kelly, you know, the crazy thing is like he's leaving and they, they mathematically have a decent shot to make the playoff. Like some things have to happen, but it, it's it well happen. within the realm of possibilities. Yeah. yeah. What, so, all right, so talking Notre Dame, I, I was really disappointed this morning. You know, I'm hoping against everything that uh, Urban gets the call. It doesn't sound like he's high on their list. It sounds like it's Fickle, Campbell, and uh, Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, are kind of the three extremely obvious candidates there. Um, I, I'm going to be devastated if this doesn't somehow end up with Urban leaving Jacksonville. Like, it's, it's got to happen somehow. I mean, it's not for a lack of him not wanting to. I don't think it's him saying no. <laughs> he clearly, he, he he clearly gets a yes very easily. Like, it, like I feel like even like shit. If Fickle leaves Cincinnati, I could see Urban, you know, jumping and wanting to take that job. Like that's how that's how miserable the guy looks here. It's that bad. And then, like, he had some quotes in the press conference this week about you know, how receivers aren't running the right routes and they're really struggling with that. Like, dog, it's week 12. Like, you're the fucking head coach. They're not running the right routes? It's a tough say. Look, I, as a as a battered Saints fan this year, like, I don't, I have very little sympathy for for the, the Jags and, and one Urban Meyer. But, yeah, he looks he looks pain. But, like, like I told you, like, like if I'm an athletic director, in my mind, Urban Meyer's washed. Like, he's done. It's like, dude, it's over. Well, I was, yeah, I was thinking about it last night. Like, like, like all the choices that he's made along the way, like faking the heart attack at Florida the first time and then coming back. And then like, I don't know, just how weird it was at Ohio state. Like he makes the weirdest decisions, like the weirdest gut decisions. It's like, man, like if he just would have left like in the normal way, it would have been so much more productive for you. 
Right. It, 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 if, you, if you wouldn't have been such a drama queen about the entire thing, like it, it might have been okay. He, he was very, for being coming across like so buttoned up and everything, he is very, very messy. Um, God, so, all right. Uh, you know what? I like the Napier hire at Florida. I think that's a really good hire. Um, that's just very solid. That's a low risk hire. I think I have no idea if it's going to work out, but he's a good football coach. Yeah, exactly. Good football coach. Seems like he's a good recruiter. He's he's just a really like he, and you know he's he's been with been with some some big time coaches. Uh, learned under them. Seems like a super organized, maniacally like thoughtful guy. So I'm very very in on that one. I think that's that one's good. And then it, it, Bunky, what's going on 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 Tulsa? Who are they going to hire? Well, they've still got they're, they've still got their their head coach. They haven't fired him yet, have they? Have oh, I missed something? Oh, they haven't. Okay, I was thinking. No, they need to. They need to. It, like the smart move would be to fire that guy and hire Brian uh, Brian Wente because he's a Tulsa guy. Uh, that would be a very safe move. Yeah, Tulsa, they struggle pretty hard. I mean, that it, that uh, those eight downs at the one yard line against Cincinnati. If that wasn't an indictment of your coach, I don't know what is. It's like yeah. if you can't fire him, then it's just you don't have the money. That's tough. I think the other thing too is just just uh, Texas, right? Like all this, all these fireworks going off, crazy shit, and then Texas is left like, man, we got Steve Sarkeesian last year. Like, how about God, that? They are they 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 have serious FOMO right now. I almost expect them to fire the guy just because they want to get in on everything. Like, oh, people are spending stupid money. Oil's at eighty dollars. Let's let's really get nuts here. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then Jimbo not 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 taking the leap to anywhere is is a little bit shocking as well, buddy. After that LSU game, like I, I was thinking about that this morning, or just about A and M. Like they've got a really good recruiting class coming. That's one reason you probably want to stick around. But like I watched more of them this year than I usually do. It just I, I, for no reason in particular. Like I can tell you from watching the entire Ole Miss game, the entire LSU game. No one was scared of Texas A&M throwing the ball deep. Like they don't have any playmakers. Like they yeah. they were good on defense. Like their tight ends decent, and their running backs were pretty good. But like nobody, they're not scary. Like they they finished fifth in the West, dude. Like and they they barely finished that. You know there were games they should have lost. So I mean, especially after watching that LSU game. I would think most people at LSU were like, look, man, let's not do this. Let's yeah. at least go in a completely different direction. I think there was a very big push to not at LSU to not hire anybody in at least the Les Miles Orgeron tree. That's why I never thought Lane Kiffin was actually a serious candidate because they just didn't want to go that route. Now, going back to the Saban tree with Jimbo wasn't much better, but yeah, that's at least an interesting hire. It makes it interesting at LSU and, and he's got a rebuild job. Like they've got to get in and, and kind of rebuild that roster. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see what else happens. OU obviously hasn't made their hire yet. It sounds like uh, it's going to be Venables. So, I mean, I was told yesterday it was Venables, but and oh, that would be typical for OU, right? Because the last two hires, last three hires at OU, Switzer, well, not including John Blake. Well, maybe including John Blake. So it would be Switzer, John Blake, Stoops, and Lincoln Riley. All of those guys were not head coaches when they were hired at OU, but they were all assistants. So 
like hiring an assistant is not out of the realm of possibilities. I just hope whoever OU hires, it leads to Tennessee having to go through another coaching oh, search. God, that'd be incredible. <laughs> like we haven't really turned up this, this, this to 11 until Tennessee somehow gets involved. And then urban ends up at Tennessee. That would no, be, that, that, that would now, be ultimate. Now you're speaking my language. Now you're, now we're talking or it's either him or Groot. One of the yeah. two. Or Shiano. Shiano ends up back there. You know, <laughs> finally, full circle. Finally, finally makes it home. Yeah. I think yesterday we got Kaylin DeBoer at Washington. Did you see that video of the lady? No, I did not. Oh, my no, God. No, I uh, somebody, had, I think it was Jason Kirk, had a tweet. Uh, basically, like, the the athletic director from University of Washington looks like a, a total character. She, she, she flew in on the private jet to uh, Fresno picks him up, they sign the things, and like she looked like something straight out of uh, Tiger King. Like she was wearing a, a tiger print or a leopard print, uh, you know, shawl. Like, like a husky print? No, it was just, it was like straight up tiger. It, like, I, like I had no idea. I would never ascribe it to anybody affiliated with the University of Washington. It was, it was well, I will say that nobody, if you've ever been to Fresno, nobody in Fresno has ever seen that level of affluence. And so they were probably <laughs> all taken aback. And then, uh, yeah, so that one, yeah, you know what? I watched a lot of the Apple Cup um, last week, and I was super yeah. impressed with Washington State. That guy, that interim that's got, since gotten the job, uh, they got a young quarterback. They were super well coached. I'm, 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 I'm high on that hire. You, you know, the one hire we have skipped over um, that I think we could probably end this with, the most important hire probably, is Rich Rod took a new head coaching job. Really? He let so you know he was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, uh, who would not start Matt Corral and instead started John Rice Plumley, who could not throw the football. Imagine that, like first round draft pick, probably the greatest quarterback in Ole Miss history, and I'm putting him above Eli and Chad Kelly and Archie from talent, a talent perspective. Rich Rod wouldn't even put him on the field. So Rich Rod went from Ole Miss. He went then he went to Monroe. Yeah. So he was at ULM uh, for this last year. Okay. And now now he is going to be the head coach at Jacksonville State. Hell yeah. He got that job? Oh, I he got that, that job. Yet. Finally, he finally made it to Alabama. And they're they're <laughs> I think they're making the jump. What are yeah, they? they're gonna be conference USA. Conference USA, and yeah. So they're they're gonna run the the Rich Rod offense at Jacksonville State. Uh, yeah. making the leap to uh, to Conference USA. So, yeah, that was the big move, I think, yesterday. Brian Kelly aside, it was where Rich Rod was going. Does Coach that Prime guy, start getting looks? He was the, the coach of the year in the swag. I know. Like, they were putting butts in seats in Jackson. Like, they may not have had running water in that city, but they were putting butts in seats. The Frank Melton Classic, uh, <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of guys. There were a lot of people at that, that football game. Yeah. Like, I, I, I might get a job. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what, what what's what's out there. Well, if Louisiana Tech is going to hire Sonny Cumbie. So, like, regionally, that would be the closest hire yeah. to Jackson. And so he's – that that one's out. Florida State's not going to have a new coach. I, I think that guy's safe for a year. A prime, prime could probably, yeah. you know, if that doesn't pan out, though, Prime could be prime candidate for that. No pun intended. Um, well, I tell you, you want you want some inside intel on Prime. So, obviously, my, my younger brother lives in Jackson and is privy to to uh, some things that are down there. There was a legitimate concern, you know. Prime's like in a uh, 
in a wheelchair right now because he had foot surgery. Okay. Um, apparently, the foot surgery went really badly, and there was about a forty-eight hour stretch where they were kind of concerned about Prime's well-being. <laughs> like it was not. Yeah, it was kind of touch and go there for a day or two. Uh, he's better now, clearly, but yeah, I think it, there might be a lawsuit coming. I'm not sure. <laughs> May, may not even need a big a big payday, uh, you know, to stay in Jackson. Get a, get he gets his payday yeah, some, somewhere else. Uh, Randy was really excited about Jerry Kill getting the job out at I think New Mexico State as well. Randy, God, what an exciting <laughs> what an exciting hiring program that is. Yeah. Uh, last question for you: Where does uh, where does Arch Manning end up? You think? Oh, that's a great question. I, I, you know, I think Ole Miss is the leader in the clubhouse, obviously, for several reasons. His dad played there. His grandfather played there. His uncle played there. Uh, you know, everybody in the family went there. I think the other two that might be on the board are Georgia and maybe Texas. I don't think the Mannings are super thrilled about Lane. They like Levy, who's the offensive coordinator. Here's a kind of a – Is Levy going to get poached? That, by somebody else? He might. Yeah. He might. If Venables gets the OU job, I would see – I could see Levy going to OU as offensive coordinator. But here's 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 kind of the sneaky thing that might happen. So, as you know, your your boy, David Cutcliffe, was recently let go yes. from Duke. He is obviously directly tied to the Mannings. He was, he was Peyton's offensive coordinator at Tennessee. He was Eli's head coach at Ole Miss. His son, uh, David Cutcliffe's son – is the head coach of Oxford High School in, in Oxford, Mississippi. Okay. And so I could see a scenario in which he retires, comes back to Oxford, uh, basically becomes some sort of analyst or QB guru uh, uh, with the uh, football program at Ole Miss, mm-hmm. and that in turn brings Arch to Ole Miss. Gotcha. So think of, that think is very you much You plan out all the, you know, all the chess moves here. I love it. That's right. You gotta you gotta read the tea leaves a little bit, yeah. DC. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to get you back on here. You know, in the next couple of weeks to kind of kind of recap all the stuff that happened, all the stuff that didn't happen that we thought was going to happen because we didn't talk Virginia Tech. I've heard Matt Rule is miserable in Carolina. That's an interesting one. Doesn't like the pros. We haven't talked. Uh, we didn't talk Duke. There's there's all sorts. We haven't talked what what the hell happened to Butch Davis. Down at uh, wherever he was, FIU, FAU, I think FIU. Oh yeah, FI. Yeah, they were using yeah. hand me down. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> they were using using bootlegs uh, pads at, at FIU. Yeah, Amazing. that was a tough scene down there. Amazing. So we'll we'll have to get you back on. But Bunky, thank you for your time this morning. I know the people appreciate it. I, I certainly do. Uh, always a pleasure to be on the trap draw. All right. Thanks, homie. Big thank you to Bunky. Always great to get him on uh, our college football correspondent here at Pro Trage Holdings. A little bit different episode today. We're going to do kind of a mega mix. I've, I, over the last couple of weeks, I've taken everybody to the interview booth to ask them about what their favorite meal or dish or 
bottle of wine or whatever food and beverage related, what really stuck out to them, uh, like kind of a singular experience within in, in uh, 2021. We do a lot of traveling, a lot of going to new cities, uh, seeking out local places. People ask us for recommendations all the time and, uh, you know, kind of pride ourselves on seeking out, you know, good local gems and kind of hole in the wall neighborhood spots. So some of those are certainly included in here. You know, others are more obvious choices and others are just totally off the wall. You'll hear from everybody, Cody and Ben included, and uh, and then I'll chime in at the end with uh, with my picks or my what's really stuck with me from 2021. But before we get there, just a big thank you to our, our other sponsor of today's podcast. It is Roback. Listen, I got a Roback hoodie. We did a collaboration with them. I wasn't super, super familiar with them up until earlier this year. And then Neil had a few other things. I was like, dude, you got you to wear this stuff between their print polos softest quarter zip pullovers and then their hoodies their hoodies are like their butter it's uh it's crazy how comfortable they are super sharp super durable i'm excited to do more with them you'll probably see more within the nlu merch ecosystem into 2022 um, we're pretty much sold out of our uh rowback nlu hoodie from this year but uh plan on doing plenty more come out swing q1 q2 with those just a great, young, growing company, American company. And I think the thing I've been most taken aback by is the quality of their prints on their polos. It's, uh, it's amazing seeing like the level of detail and crispness. Like There's no bleed out on the print. So how they're able to do that, I have no idea because like, working on our own merch stuff, sometimes it's like that level of quality and level of crispness is, is pretty much unheard of. So visit Roback for... Some great holiday deals, great stocking stuffer, great, uh, you know, primary gift under the tree. And uh, again, thank you for their uh, sponsorship of today's pod. Joined now by Neil. Neil, we're talking best meals or meal or dishes or whatever, you know, food things that you had this year. Could be a bottle of wine, could be, you know, a new type of fancy water that you switched to. What what knocked your socks off in 2020? on the culinary front. Well, TC, first, great to be with you. Um, appreciate you bringing me in for this. Um, I mean, I'll address the fancy water situation first. I am Team Soda Stream. Okay. If you don't have a Soda Stream, I mean, it's a free ad. It's been a total game changer. You can adjust the uh, the level of bubble, which I really appreciate. I'm a I'm a five six pumper minimum. Are you depleting the CO two cartridges? Like I go crazy? through about one every three weeks, but okay. easy. Take them over to Target. They give you half price if you return your canisters. It's it's uh you know cuts down on the cans that I'm throwing out weekly. I'm going through probably a case of Lacroix every other day with Freddie. I know, and I think this could solve some of your issue with Freddie opening a fancy water, taking two sips, and and not finishing it. That's very frustrating. No, I make I make him finish them even if they're flat. Well, that's good. I think that's good parenting. Um, but I think you could get more efficient with the uh, soda streams. You can fill up the bottles, put them right in the uh, in the fridge. It's also a good Christmas gift. People out there looking for a very functional Christmas gift, I, I might be gifting one to uh, to our father very soon because he's going through way too much Lacroix and Pellegrino. Um, so yeah, so that's the fancy water thing. Uh, food wise, I would say the the best and worst are related. The best okay. meal I had this year was at an Indian restaurant called Jim Khanna in London. It was complete fuego, just sensory overload. It was uh, the restaurant. We went down. I was with uh, my fiance's family. 
She's one of four girls. We were over there for a, a wedding of a family friend of theirs. Four, four, four women. Now. Four women. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, shout out to the to the Christus sisters. And so there was, I think it was a group of eight of us, and we had a table downstairs, and it was like in this almost like vault down in the basement. You went through like it felt like a speakeasy almost. Okay. And we got down there, and we were sitting in this like low ceiling, cool lighting, and uh, had a great waiter. And he was because everything on the Indian menu, like I didn't recognize. He's like a translation of just, just hey, what does this dish entail? Happens consistently when I go to an Indian restaurant of like I don't really know what any of this is, and so this guy kind of walked us through all of it, and then we kind of trusted, entrusted him with, uh, with spice levels, and he did a good job of bringing some some mild stuff, you know, all the sauces, the chutney, the naan. We had a non compete going. I know you love that. Raita. Uh, exactly. So a lot of a lot of dipping. Um, you know, and a lot of stuff to take the, uh, to take the heat off. And then he just went to 11 on some dishes on the heat with some of the, uh, the curries that he sent out the, like the slow roasted, uh, some vindaloo or yeah. Some, uh, oh, great biri- vindaloo. Biryani. Everything comes out in those copper, yeah. you know, copper dishes. So it's kind of served in a traditional way. And I mean, I just, it, it blew me away. It was like the best meal. I was thinking about it. We were there for a week. And we ate there, I think, the first or second night. And I was thinking about it for the rest of the trip and continue to think about that meal. How did you all find out about this particular uh, restaurant? Uh, Carson and her sister, Grace specifically, is is big. They're planners. So, I mean, this was kind of circled. I think they talked to a friend that lives there, and they were like, cool, you should go to this restaurant. Which brings me to my next point. English food, traditional English food, is a complete disgrace. I mean, yeah. it is the worst food on the planet Full stop. Come at me for that take. It's either fried and greasy, unhealthy fish and chips, which I would be fine not eating for the rest of my life. But that's on every menu and like, oh, fish and chips. Fish and chips fucking sucks. It's like bad fish okay. and it's greasy. And then if you want to go the traditional route, we went to a restaurant after Jim Connor the next night that was like, oh, traditional English fare. It's like like, like pork, like uh, steak pies and stuff like that. Yes, or? roasts. Okay. It's okay. it's slowly roasted. Unsalt. They're they're like allergic to salt in England. the The meat is not salted. It's st- everything steamed or roasted, which Tom, is like Tom Tom Calicio would be would be appalled. You know, it, it just it just needs a little bit of salt. I can't. I don't understand. My least favorite type of like way of cooking meat is like roasting. Just you know, just I guess drying it out in an oven. Yeah, basically. or or in a like uh, you know, it just it's almost like watery. Like it's not. Like if you want to if you want to slow roast something or, or slow cook something, um, like smoking the meats, sign me up, right? You're gonna get all the flavors. But it's like they they slow roast the meat without putting any seasoning on it, and so it's kind of it, it feels tough and it always goes with like carrots and very root vegetables, root vegetables that are also slow roasted without salt, and. There's just no flavor, period. There's just no flavor. And so you either go the, oh, but this is like the traditional English meal. It's like, well, how can a country and a culture that basically conquered the world not have not take something from those, you know, satellites from the Commonwealth? How is that possible? How did they not take some of this Indian flavor? How did that, how was there no Silk Road aspect to Maybe this? Maybe that's why some of the best Indian restaurants in the world are in London. I know. So that's, so on the, on the one hand, it's like, oh, London there's some good restaurants there, but it, none of it involves English food, in my humble opinion. It and it made me mad because I was there, and then, you know, they like, 
you know, pizza and stuff, but not, it's not, it's just like everything's either co-opted and it's, it's almost stayed with that culture in London. It's like, no, it's Indian food or it's Italian food. There's no like good English food. Like they don't have any dish like native to England that I would be like, yeah, that's awesome. See, I mean, you can make the same argument about American food though, where like we co-opted the hamburger, right? But we made it our own, I, I think. But I or, think, I think, uh, like pizza, you know, like the, like, like what it, it kind of begs the question, what is American food? Right? I would say a cheeseburger has become very American and it's appealing. Like a good cheeseburger is, is good food. What else is American? Like I would say like fried chicken and hot wings. Yeah. I think that's good food. Like Southern cuisine. It has yeah. flavor, you know? And so, and I, I would say that American food has done a better job of pulling, of co-opting some of the flavors from other cultures. Like none of it was created here, but it's become synonymous with America. Whereas the English food is like, it didn't improve. It didn't innovate. It's just not fucking good. Okay. And so that, that's easily my worst meal. Another honorable mention would be the restaurant we ate at on Taurus Sauce. Baba, the one for, in- For worst meal or good? No, no, best. Best, meal. Okay. best Bal- honorable mention. Baobab Fair. Yes, yeah. in Detroit. I thought yeah. that was phenomenal. And there's some slow roasting going on with some of that yeah. food that we had, but there's tons and tons and tons of flavor. So I'm kind of a flavor slut. I like to ramp up the heat even though I can't really handle it. Like when I'm eating Indian food or Thai food, I or even ramen, I'll start dumping, you know, chili sauce in my ramen and it's like I love it. I can't I shouldn't be doing it because it's making my, you know, sinuses freak out, but I'm just like I it's almost like I can't help but take another bite even though my mouth is on fire. So I like Freddie. Freddie likes, you know, he drinks hot sauce, he'll drink salsa, he, he he'll take a bite out of a lemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just loves acid and, and, and hot. So okay. I, and I will, but I will say for relevant to the English, I would say the, the Guinness was good. I had a lot of Guinness on that trip and they say that Guinness doesn't taste the same outside of, of Ireland. I, maybe I don't have a, a I think, I think, I think it doesn't taste the same outside of like in the States because it's coming from a different place versus in, I think the UK it's coming, it's still coming from Ireland. Had a couple good showings in the, uh, in the Guinness game. You know, getting it, getting it, the foam level between the harp and the words, that's, will remain a cheap thrill for the rest of my life. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, that's, those are my hottest food takes I got for you. Okay. Entering the culinary Thunderdome, DJ Pie. Hey, how are you? Welcome in. Thank you. Welcome into the kitchen. Thanks. Great to be here uh, with, uh, with TC. It's, you know, Tom Calicchio, the chef, Tron Carter, uh, many great TCs. Well, Neil was Neil was effusive about the lack of salting in uh, British cuisine. Uh, speaking of 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 TC, how about that? Also, Maybe it's we, just as used to sensory overload. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. But you know, acid and salt are important. They're big, right? They're biggies. Uh, it's just feel. I, I don't know. I gotta listen to the pot. I don't know what he said yet, but it feels like kind of low hanging fruit. It and feels then like kind of punching down. And then he and then he pimped the Indian food in London, which like big <laughs> shocker there. Right? That's yeah. My, whatever I'm in New York, man, I gotta get a Sabara slice. <laughs> um so uh real quick, actually we'll tease this too. I think uh there's Top Chef Houston. I believe they're yeah. they're filming right now, I think. Or, which is or, so needed for me. I I've said this many times i don't know publicly at least privately I, houston's such a blind spot for me i know it was for you and randy before yeah. you went to the u.s women's open except except for the airport last year except for the airport which <laughs> tc has gone through quote 
more than two dozen times in the last 18 months, which has since been debunked by fact checkers. It was like 15 instead. Of, it, was <laughs> it was a lot. 17 instead of it was like a lot. 24. But yes, been to, the, been to the Houston airport thousands of times. But been to Houston proper like maybe never, maybe once. Like it's such a blind spot. I don't know anything about it. All you hear from people in the know is what a cool city it is. So spread out, so many different neighborhoods, cultures, vibes, all kinds of different uh, shit. Apparently just an unbelievable food scene. Uh, I have, I've never explored it and I'm, I'm thrilled to watch, uh, my hitters at top chef do it justice as they, as they so well do. Yeah. So we're, we'll do a top chef, uh, episode, top chef, you know, perfect club trap yes. draw. Talk about some of the, uh, some of the, you know, more controversial characters in the past, tough scene on this past or in, in, in the yeah. wake of this past season with Gabe, Gabe getting, yeah, that was God, tough. Down, Which I got to follow up on Austin. that. Honestly, I didn't really. Yeah. I, I'm very guilty of reading the headline on that and then not really doing any more follow up. So I don't. I don't know what happened. But, who's your uh, Who's your go to Top Chef? Uh, basically, like all star and villain. I I, I hate Blaze, <laughs> Richard Blaze. It's just I, I can't stand him. I I, I can't I stand all him, of his restaurants in Atlanta were so overrated. When you go back and watch those, uh, my wife Justine and I watched Top Chef nonstop. When you go back and watch those old seasons. I don't like him, but I fucking respect him. He puts people in a in just body bags constantly. His like hair is just—it's—it's it's horrible. So Everything is so punchable. It's very very cringy, uh, especially now. As he, I think Padma, absolutely just kind of slapped his wrist early in this this most recent season, the the COVID season, where you could tell he was very he was coming in ready to be like the cock of the walk, and she was very just like stand out. This nice is, fucking. This is still my show. Nice hair, dude. Why don't you go get that taken care of first? But in those early seasons, man, when he's in the trenches, he he blows people's doors yeah. off. I need to go back and watch some some more of the back catalog. So I don't want you thinking that he did that he yeah you know he he didn't earn it because he did. Is he a fluffer? Yes, uh, I, I think we both can agree on Marcel. Marcel is is an unsung hero. Again, go back and watch some of those early seasons. But I think both of us are are massive Katsuji fans. Oh, Katsuji! <laughs> you know what the 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 uh, Japanese guy on the previous one in Portland. I yes. thought he should have won. Shoda. Yeah, Shoda. He's so good. Oh, God. Um, My mom kept calling him, thought his name was Choba, <laughs> which kept making me laugh really hard. You know, I'm a big... Kwame got a little too weird for me. <laughs> <laughs> Kwame's another one, very similar, like kind of similar trajectory to Blaze, right? Where he shows up and it's like, man, it's just about doing the work. Yeah. It's just about outworking these people. And he's, he's got unbelievable ideas. And then he turns into like a celebrity. It's like, yo, no one's asking for this, man. And wearing some truly outrageous <laughs> Truly ostentatious, ostentatious stuff. And then you've got... Uh, I, Gregory, love, I love Gregory. I, I think Gregory's kind of in that same bucket. I think he he knows where the edge is, right? Like he, I think what Gregory's doing is like, it's still very cool, right? Like yeah. everything he does, I'm like, man, that's cool. And Kwame, I'm like, yo, you might've, you might've lost the plot here, man. The other guy that I want him to bring back was, uh, the guy from Rodney Scott's barbecue. That guy was he only so made it like sick. two weeks. I know. I know. He was awesome. He was great. Like uh, Roscoe, I think dry his name was. Wit he was awesome. Stuff. Yeah. So. Shit. I guess I'm out, man, <laughs> man. <laughs> Uh, who else is on that list? Melissa, of course, on that list. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the all time hitters, I think. Uh, Brooke, I'm a huge Brooke fan. Yeah, I really liked her. Brooke's season. been cool, like coming back as a host too. I think she's got really good stuff to say, and she's getting so much better at delivering how to say it. She's got and just always really good perspective on, or at least gets a good edit on, uh, you know, like the business side of things. Like you always see her like crunching the numbers and talking about like hiring and firing staff and like scheduling and all that stuff that. 
all these people, you know, probably have to deal with, but you never really, uh, you never really get much of the reality. So I, I always like the way they, they sprinkle in that plus her, you know, raising her kid. She's got, she's got a lot of shit going on. And, yeah. uh, I, I, I think she's very interesting. I, I, I can't stop thinking about Katsuji again. Whenever I see Katsuji, I just, I get happy. <laughs> such just, an outrageous. hates Katsuji. <laughs> he's he's so good. He's, he's the one that I feel like probably before anybody just fully grasped like, yo, this is a reality show. And all I'm going to do is just like tweak, tweak you guys. And he yeah. makes like the Mexican kosher food. It's yeah. just like a truly outrageous <laughs> cuisine. I'm, I'm, God, I'm dying to go eat at one of his restaurants. The other guy that, uh, who was the guy a couple of years ago when they did LA or they did Top Chef California and the guy that's got the LA restaurant, uh, Joe, was the guy with like the handlebar mustache? No, no, no. Joe's the pasta dude. Yeah, yeah there's another was, dude. I think he was in L.A. Oh God, it was uh, <laughs> like truly the woat. Yes, and everybody on the entire <laughs> season, yeah. fucking hated him. Yeah. Like, hated his guts. He was the guy every time they. Well, as someone who's from L.A., let me <laughs> let me show you around. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he was he was tough. We'll we'll, we'll not yeah. look up his name to yeah. protect the innocent. Anyway, Anyways. uh, let's talk about your culinary highlight of the year. So it's uh, it's coming in under the wire, and you know you mentioned this to us a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago at this point. So it's been in the back burner as I've been trying to think about really what was gonna what was gonna make the show. And uh, for me, it was like possibly extreme recency bias. I'm, I'm happy to uh, to wear that if so. But uh, my wife and I were up in Illinois recently, where we're both from, and decided to go to Milwaukee for the weekend. Had never really spent much time in Milwaukee. Was up there for the Ryder Cup. Loved it. Thought it was just like a very, very cool city that I grew up fairly close to, but never spent any time in. I mean, it is just outside Chicago. It is truly <laughs> just outside Chicago. Uh, so we drove up for the weekend and saw some friends and hung out. And we went to a place uh, called the Calderon Club. Okay. Right downtown, uh, pretty close to like the basketball stadium. And I took the recommendation of the server there and got a penne salsiccia dish, like a sausage pasta a big a big sausage pasta uh, yes and i i truly like i'm not a huge italian guy like i i i love the taste of it of course i hate how it makes me feel it usually just like throws me off the rails for two days just so many carbs and like it's just so heavy and rich mm-hmm. not only did i like basically lick the bowl of this of this dish which was like a almost kind of like a vodka sauce but like a had some spice to it. It had some richness to it. It had some, uh, it, it was like perfectly cooked, like fresh pasta. And then this like really spicy Italian sausage mixed in. It was unbelievably awesome. Uh, it just like, it, it was one of those dishes that like truly like haunted me for like three or four days afterwards where I got through it and was kind of like, man, that was really good. Like I, I, that was, uh, you know, the, the reports on this place are, are great. It's like a very old school, uh, Italian place right downtown, super packed, small tables, like buzzing, right? Super buzzing, like the you know changing the paper tablecloths between each group, like fun, kind of like cheap bottles of wine, mm-hmm. uh, great bread, great like calamari and bruschetta and like all that stuff. And I got through it and was like, oh, that was like, yeah, that was as advertised, man. Just like really good Italian food. And then I woke up the next morning, it was just like, holy shit, I'm still like tasting that. Like, do I want to? Uh, that makes it sound like I like threw up or something, but I've, I'm like, God, that's still like resonating, ringing around my head. Like, should I go get that for breakfast? Like that, I, it was, I couldn't stop thinking about it for, for days and days. So it, it uh, that would be it. I mean, that was the okay. m- meal of the year for me. It was truly unbelievable. So if you're in the greater Milwaukee area, I'm sure this is a, a fairly well-known place. I don't think I'm breaking any, uh, 
breaking any news, but Calderon Club. It was it was awesome. Named after Jose Calderon, <laughs> former so. NBA yeah, player. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And he was not there that <laughs> night, but uh, yeah, pictures of him all over the walls. Uh, that was just it was awesome. Really well, good. Any any honorable mentions or anything that stuck out? Or uh, conversely, you, you and Justine tend to cook a lot at sure. home. What do you what do you guys? Uh, what have you been really into as far as cooking this year? We've been starting a uh, you know trying to add a little more structure to the week. Um, so we've we've designated officially Tuesdays as Pizza Tuesdays. So we you know we sometimes we forget, but we try to. Uh, we also don't want to eat too much pizza, but we've been making a ton of homemade pizzas. Okay. Uh, so that's been really fun. Where do you get the dough? Doing a lot of that. Uh, usually Publix. If we don't make our own dough, we'll sometimes buy the like pre-made crust like mm-hmm. the regular just like individual baboli crust which are like low-key awesome yeah. by the way um but fun to like do the whole thing and make your own dough and do all that too but gonna light the refuge on fire here but the other big revolution revelation that's come from pizza tuesdays jets the detroit style pizza from yeah. jets i had never had wouldn't have had without constant people yelling about pizza on the refuge uh and Got that and have gone back like three or four times since. It's it's mind-blowingly good stuff. The Jets opened up by my parents and like after I went away to college and kind of moved away. And then, you know, I always like there's a village pizzeria and then there's a, you know, mellow mushroom by their house. And we always used to get that. And I'm a big Domino's guy. Sure. Right? Hate Pizza Hut. Um, Papa can whatever. <laughs> Papa's whatever. But like Jets, I never understood. Like I was like, oh, this is a different. And I love Donatos too. I'm yeah. a big thin crust guy, so the Jets stuff never really resonated with me. And then I feel like I've kind of come to appreciate like what what is Detroit style pizza. And I think you know, it's so stupid as it is, but when someone finally explained like the very whether the true story or the tall tale about like oh yeah, it's like square and deep because they made it in like the yeah. like the pans from the car manufacturing place. I'm like, oh man, that's really cool. And well, then, and you also like know what to look for too. Yeah. Of like, hey, this is what the crust should taste like or this is what, versus it's just like, oh, like I don't really like Chicago style pizza and this kind of looks like that. Yes, you know? exactly. And I think the other, uh, the other thing I would give an honorable mention to hyper local, but would be uh, Dos Vatos oh, tacos. Thank you. They, they are yeah. doing some truly avant-garde shit with the, uh, with the tacos down here in Jack's have gone there a dozen times since discovering that and uh, like never regret it. Might go there tonight, actually, now that I say that out loud. What's your go-to there? Uh, they have a thing called a quesabiria that is so good, either with chicken or beef. It's kind of like half quesadilla, half taco. Comes with like a um, like a like consomme. Taco Bell. <laughs> it, it really does, and it's uh, it comes with like this kind of like really good consomme on the side that you kind of dip it in, and um, that's really good. They have a brisket one with like this avocado mousse that's awesome. Uh, Justine likes the duck. I know the you like the duck. duck. The duck two duck ways. Two ways. Is unreal. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a popular one as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for imparting your, your 2021 culinary experiences. Anytime TC. Thanks for everything you do for the game. <laughs> Got the merch squire, the merch knight on the phone now, Ben hoteling Ben, uh, let's just cut right to it, man. What was the best meal you had in 2021 thus far, you know, through 10 and a half months? I've had many of them with you, to be honest. We've had a, a couple of really good ones. Um, you know, Austin in the spring was absolutely fantastic. You got to tell me, you brought me to this place where, what do we have, 24 oysters or something like that? Oh, we went to Perlis. Uh, yeah, we had some Perlis, day. Yes. Some day. Yeah. Uh, you know, that one really sticks out. I mean, I 
love love some fresh oysters by the ocean of course um and then we followed it up you know the next night and, and went to that tasting menu that was so unique and, and had so much value gosh we had some some really interesting things what what was the name of that place do you remember emmer and rye i believe emmer and yeah. rye and uh yeah it was uh yeah tasting menu they had an unbelievable that cacio e pepe was great there the um yep. probably the best i've ever had actually a few other just really really like kind of off the wall entrees the carrots yes. the carrots I, I remember wanting to you know never having experienced a carrot anywhere close to what that was like and wanting to come home and, and try and make that happen again yeah and then even that place we went loro the first night kind of that asian barbecue place that that was fantastic yeah super um, different okay well cool and then yeah actually the places you took me that uh probably tops on my list for the year as well the place we ate with kelly in kc that night yeah corvino the that uh, is our our local fine dining establishment there's a, a couple in kc but that's like the the new modern one um you know definitely had some fantastic meals there but we we went to the supper club we didn't do the tasting menu and um gosh we we just we had a blast i mean what would we have 12 13 different entrees yeah um different bites the uh the kind of tater tot with uh um you know caviar on top was was just a standout dish uh then yeah and, and the peach cream um the, uh, my, spread as well yeah my taki mushroom I, I still have like residual tastes of that it was that was the best mushroom i've ever had before i've never had anything that tasted like the earth and i mean that in like the nicest way possible yeah. just this raw powerful flavor just out of this world Okay. Well, yeah. Any uh, any any trends going on? I know you guys bought a new house here over the last year, and are you cooking a lot? Or are you are you what are you drinking at home? That sort of thing. Yeah, definitely cooking a lot. I would say we cook five or six nights a week. Try to at least. Um, you know, we recently got married, so had a, a lot of uh, new culinary items that entered the the household. The sous vide's been a, a big hit. However, I'm I'm just still not sure that I'm doing it right. Been trying to do some some steaks on it, and sometimes this, they turn out absolutely fantastic, and other times I either overcook it in the sous vide, so it's a little dry, or kind of tastes a little bit chewy like a wet bag a little bit so I, I need to figure that out but that's been something that i've been testing and working on for for quite a long time we've been making like healthy enchiladas i know that doesn't sound like super exciting or super sexy but it's something that we eat for lunch and we, we make every every two weeks and oh, it's just awesome you know just ground turkey with um, mushrooms in like a you know, spicy taco sauce and then enchilada sauce, green chili, um, just a little bit of cheese. And God, they just, they hit really, really well um, for it. lunchtime. Well, you, I'm jealous of your food scene and beverage scene for that matter. Cause the, you know, I know big mood wines and then the place you took me uh, just as far as wine stores as well. You got a nice natural wine scene in uh, KC, but just the breadth and depth of culinary options. Uh, I mean, really even that like Greek place we went for lunch was fantastic virgin, yeah yeah that was, so that was awesome you know just a, a kind of a sneaky sneaky great food city kc so yeah just just hitting the surface too you got to come back with with alex and we'll we'll do the whole whole nine yards there's some french stuff here that's just out of this world um but yeah you know i've been on the road and, and had some really interesting stuff of course that meal in detroit sticks out 
um, that East African food. Yeah. Never had anything like that before. Um, it thought it was you know, not only fantastic, but just new and fun to the taste buds. Um, so that's always great, but yeah, you know, I, I think that wine's been on the, on the menu quite a bit here in, uh, in 2021, but definitely more on the natural side. Like you were saying the, the funky stuff, orange wine has been you know, something that you introduced me to and we've kind of taken and run with it. It's replaced Sauvignon Blanc, uh, a little bit in this household, which I never thought was going to be, uh, <laughs> appended, but gosh, I, I actually, I know this is a little recency bias, but just got back from Mexico and we did a, uh, a whiskey or excuse me, a tequila tasting and went through the the five different types of tequila and different aging processes, you know, Anejo, Reposado, um, all that good stuff. And, and just learned a lot about it and actually learned how to drink it. And I would say tequila went from my least favorite beverage to my favorite, um, huh. you know, spirit, uh, straight up, you know, just to, to drink, enjoy the flavors and, and whatnot, like truly blew my mind with, with, you got to drink it right, which is like the, the biggest thing for me. I, you know, everybody kind of, you know, sits there and just takes a deep breath and just slams this thing back. Cause they think they're going to hate it. And well, you're going to hate it if you do it that way. Um, so learning how to taste it, learning how to, uh, to enjoy it, um, has really changed, changed my mind on tequila, like 180 degrees. So we're going to do a, a tequila tasting with our friends for, um, New Year's Eve party okay uh, really well, looking forward to you're that. gonna have to get me into it because I'm, I'm not a tequila guy so okay um, yeah we'll, we'll try some i'm I, yeah I, I think my relationship with with beverages has changed quite a bit in the last couple of years um i think you know getting into the, the spirits for now is kind of how like i'd like to have um you know my my relationship with wine when i have you know when i'm older and can and build out a cellar um but i think man if i could get five six seven like really elite bottles and only bring them out when it's time to, you know, make memories with family and friends. I think my relationship with, uh, you know, drinking as a whole, but specifically with, with spirits would, uh, would really, you know, grow. So that's kind of the goal for 2022. Here with Cody, I got a couple questions for you doing this with the whole group. What was the best meal you had in 2021? Wow. It's so hard to, to boil it down to one single meal but I think I'd have to go with some that I experienced with my wife. We took a nice, our yearly family vacation in September out to Kiwa Island. That's the same time that the twins' birthday is. So basically what I do is that I bring both sides of the family. So my in-laws, my mom and dad, we all rent a pretty big house out there and enjoy a week at the beach. And very lucky that thanks to the in-laws and my mom and dad that we were had plenty of babysitters around. So Yari and I escaped into Charleston and hit up one of our favorite restaurants in Charleston, and that's Husk. So Husk, they're the executive chef, Travis Grimes. Probably something that I, I regret to say, but I have always been a stickler for, for shrimp and grits. And I say that because I've been living in the South for a long time, and grits were always horrible grits that they served me for breakfast when I was in the military. They're usually cold. They're usually way over salted and just the last thing that I ever wanted to eat. But most of the time was forced to eat. Let me tell you what, to start out at, at Husk, our waiter recommended the shrimp and grits, the best appetizer I've had all year, immediately followed by like a confine duck leg 
that had this like cherry sauce on it. It blew my mind. It's something that I constantly think about and I can't wait for hopefully something sooner than that. So we can go back to Charleston and actually check it out again. Love it. I've, I've been to the Husk uh, several times in Savannah, never been to the one in Charleston. My cousin was friends with uh, Sean Brock, or I'm sure he still is friends with Sean right. Brock. But I think people, there was a certain sentiment out there that people thought that, you know, Sean had maybe lost his, lost his edge or stretched himself a little bit thin. I think, you know, I guess he's got a new restaurant coming up in Nashville, but it seems like he's still, still doing the, doing the uh, OG stuff at Husk. Well, I love the space Savannah. I love the space, uh, like the upstairs. They've got this upstairs bar area that's uh, fantastic. So, yeah, I think Charleston's, um, you know, it's it's definitely grown, probably outgrown its, its footprint a little bit. Um, you know, it's just so like you feel like you're in Soho now. Uh, right. You know, it's like Southern Soho. But uh, but yeah, there's some you know, I mean, there's some fantastic restaurants there, and, and just you know, a lot of them too, right? It's, you know, it's, it's definitely become a culinary hotbed. I think last time we were up, we ate at the Ordinary and a couple other places. Fig. Listen, I know this is yeah. a little overrated too, but I really like the Charleston Grill. Never been. I know it's a, it's a little over the top. You still got to wear your jacket for every, you know, dinner service. Doesn't matter what day of the week it is, but I love the vibe that they have. It's like in a little kind of, you know, uh, a, a large building, but they, the middle of it has an open quarters, you know, courtyard in there. They have an amazing brunch option on Saturday and Sundays. Uh, but the dinner at Charleston grill is always, always a hit. That's like, I'm a sucker for, uh, halls, halls, chop house there. They got just, you know, I know it's kind of a, not tourist trap, but it's, it's definitely a, you know, kind of an old standby and probably not the most dynamic place in the world, but never had a bad meal there either. So, Trying to think of the guy's name, but he was on the the Netflix barbecue show. Ah, Rodney Scott. Yeah, hit up his restaurant. I understand it's uh, you know, it's not his first location, but his location in Charleston. Very good barbecue. If there is such, and there is, there is bad barbecue that's out there. But oh, there's plenty of bad. Very barbecue. good barbecue. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rodney Scott. Actually, one of the my favorite guys on. Uh, Top Chef, he got eliminated like first or second guy in Top Chef Portland, but uh, he was like one of Rodney Scott's guys. Definitely, just like super dry. I think he used to be a comedian or something. Just like really, really, right. really interesting dude. So, uh, all right, well, Cody, thank you, man. Joined now by the one and only Sally. What are you burning on food and beverage wise? Best meal? Not a lot of people bring me on to talk. You know, some would say I have a pretty particular palate. Maybe a picky eater. I've been I've been told from time to time. So not not many people come to me to asking for food recommendations. I'm honored that TC, <laughs> the food connoisseur of the group, is asking me for it. My meal of the year is it's situation based. Okay, this is uh, a meal my wife and I had in, when we were in Jackson, Wyoming. It uh, is a, a little Tex-Mex place called Mary Piglets. Okay. Is this the best restaurant I went to in 2021? Probably not. I wouldn't imagine. But we had just finished a day of exploring, hiking. I don't even remember what we did on that day. And it was just that meal that hit the right spot. I got uh, a taco plate that I cleaned completely. It had the best cheese, the best meat. It had they had spicy margaritas. They had a great atmosphere going at the bar. We had like an early dinner. I think we were in bed before the sun even went down that night. But it was just like 
it was peak happiness. It's the I just like look back on that night smiling and laughing at how good the food was, how good the nachos were, every little I love going to a place that like when you're having the appetizers, I think about this like North Beach fish camp here in town. Like the appetite, every bite of what you're going to have is good, right? It's not like, all right, we're mass producing this and, every, you know, we just need to get it out in front of people. The nachos, the salsa, the guacamole, it just, I, I, I'm a man of simple tastes. And that was just, I just hit on so many good notes. And so, ironically, Mary Piglet's, on a different note, was like one of the last places that uh, Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry were seen like where they had like a fight there that was like the last place they were seen by a group of people oh. like a month and a half after we were there. But I, I remember on a very, Mary, Mary on a very took a dark turn here. Very different note. We had just the, uh, that was the, the best night of our vac- of our honeymoon, if you will. Looks so. like a delightful, uh, delightful setup. I'm on their website right now. Sometimes the best things are, are, are the most simple things, right? And you it was do simple. simple stuff. Well, yes, is, is there's a reason that, guacamole or tacos or like world-class cuisine because like you got to do them the right way right and i've had a lot of tacos in my life and i don't even know if these were the best tacos i've ever had they just hit the moment right the day was perfect and that is the meal i look back at the best okay any uh any other trends going on like what you know as far as if you changed what you're drinking have you changed what you're eating are you guys cooking certain things at home or, or so about two years ago around this time um i decided to try a no gluten no dairy intermittent fasting diet and i did it for like two weeks and i lost like 11 pounds it was great and since then i've kind of stuck with intermittent fasting but i so i eat you know i don't start eating until at least 11 a.m every day and i try to be done eating by 7 p.m I am back right now as we're speaking in a, an intense like i will not break this cycle right i will there were nachos put in front of us at lunch the other day on tuesday and i didn't touch one like if i cheat once i'm going to cheat on every meal so i'm I'm doing it i'm trying to you know just trim things up a little bit thanksgiving's going to come around that's what i'm getting ready for i'm going to go nuts then and i'm going to get back into it afterward but i've found like i have a little bit more self-control on what i eat than i thought i ever once would have i've been you know working a little bit harder to find the healthy option finding something that doesn't have bread doesn't have cheese all over it is you know it takes a little effort sometimes because uh, as a man with particular tastes that's that's tough to find but i have found there's not much benefit to me eating breakfast i can totally make it to lunch without eating you end up eating less calories in the day and the pounds just kind of start to slowly er- er- you know erode i'm not saying i need to lose a ton of weight but just like everyone's got that little you feel do you dad, feel a lot better you do I, I i my scale actually i have not lost any weight this week but i already feel better four days into doing just, something like just this more energy yeah just like it, yeah like i don't you stop craving this stuff after a little while too i mean yeah. you like i don't know i'm not drinking alcohol for you know nine days which sounds ridiculous to to, to boast about but like it's super easy to just be like eh, yeah. i'll have a drink now and yeah. then just like having a little self-control to say no I don't, I don't need to do that right now I'll drink some kombucha to kind of give me okay. a little bit of a. Uh, I've never gotten into the kombucha scene. It's it's fine. It's not great. Uh, Is it like a probiotic kind of alcohol I don't even thing? Know. Or, or I don't even know. It kind of tastes like a seltzer a little bit, just okay. without the alcohol. And that I'll just do one of those every couple of days or something like that. But coffee, water. Sometimes I'll do a little ginger beer at night with no alcohol in it. Just yeah. you know, just like this job is pretty easy to drink a lot. Like yeah. just like eh. All right, it's Tuesday. We'll do it. Ever doing a show? I'll have a drink then. Sunday, we'll do it. All right. Well, it's Friday. I got a drink. Saturday, we got a drink then too. So, any time periods I can go, just kind of taking a little. DJ's really good about this too. He'll take like a whole month off, just like no drinking. Yeah. And 
when he when you're with somebody that's not drinking, you start to really realize how, how much, much you, you do because it's like, oh my god, how is he doing this? So yeah, yeah, I've found I haven't I haven't really had any hard liquor in a while. I've had, uh, but I was drinking too much wine, and that's just and like I think I don't like the the alcohol. I wasn't worried about it was the sugar. There's yeah. so much sugar in wine. Yeah. So you know, struggling with that of just like my my blood sugar levels. I think we're going through the roof before I was going to bed at night. And yes. Not great. So the whoop data too will tell you. Yeah, you just don't need. You probably don't need that last drink. You probably just don't. Yeah. You don't need it. You. Uh, where does seltzer fit into this? As far as you know, it's it's gluten free. It's dairy free. <laughs> I'm doing no alcohol too. For the okay. nine days. Is, okay. Uh, no alcohol. Um. But are you, are you still big on the seltzer? Are you still? Yeah, on the big, oh, seltzer, I'm big kick? seltzer guy. Big okay. seltzer guy. So I, I only, I can drink, I can have 10, a combination of 10 drinks between liquor and seltzer, and I will feel nothing the next morning. Yeah. No hangover, nothing. If I have two beers, I will be hungover. That's where I feel it's very dependent upon what kind of seltzer I have. Where if it's, you know, I, I can have high noon or cut See, water. See, that's not seltzer. That's vodka soda. Yeah. High noon is vodka soda. Where I feel like the seltzers where they're the, 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 um, it's like the alcohol from sugar. Yeah. That's what I feel like somebody shot me between the eyes in the morning. But does even it? If I have like two or three of them. It's like a, it has a governor on it because you don't want more than three. If you sure. put, if you put eight beers in front of me, I'll toss them back. Like I like that process. I just don't like the next day. Like I just, I don't, my stomach doesn't feel right until 1 p.m. if yeah. I drink any number of beers. I felt, I, I, I've started staying away from draft beer. Yeah. Just completely. Cause like, you know, I'll go out, I'll have two draft beers at, at, you know, local restaurant, and if they haven't cleaned out their draft lines, it's yeah. I, I feel like just terrible the next day. That's, that's amazing, you know, having this conversation with somebody you've known since you were 18 years old when we would just pound natty lights in our dorm room with yeah. zero inhibition, like zero fear. Like basically was, like beer made out of corn. There was you know? no consequence to it, but getting older, man, is a very, very real thing. I mean, yeah, I guess we, we the hangovers are a lot more predictable the older you get. I can't, like, I, I'm just thinking back to freshman sophomore junior year like we would do these we would go out and have like a case of beer and then i'd wake up the next day at like 8 30 i'd go to the rec and i'd be play fine. basketball or i'd hoop. work out you know? <laughs> it's like holy shit i'd be i'd be done for three days now you know i so. still maintain the reason i got bad grades the first semester were not because of alcohol but it's because you and i stayed up till four played tiger woods yeah and my roommates hated it yeah so all right good stuff cheers bud hello tc <laughs> hello Hello. Uh, what, God, you got a lot going on this year with, you know, your move out to, unfortunately, Urban forced you out of, uh, forced you out of Jack's here, but you got out to a better food scene out in Denver. Uh, we'll get to that. First and foremost, let's lead with, uh, what was the best meal you had this year, man? Oh my God. Uh, I was trying to think of that. It's a very difficult question, but the more I thought about it, there was one that just stood out above the rest. And that was with our good friend, Mr. Poosh and Micah Brown. When Iration was coming through Denver in early October, we went to a place called Ashkara, which is, we went to the, the Highlands location and it was, we, we got a ton of stuff. It's a, I should probably describe what type of place it is. It's, um, it's kind of Israeli, Middle Eastern. I, I, I don't know what the best way to describe like that type of restaurant is. How do they describe but, themselves? 
Well, and that's what I was, I was pulling up the website. So their, their like tagline is Ashkara unorthodox cuisine, okay. uh, the fire and spice of Israel, Mesopotamia and the middle East. So I guess that's, yeah, I should have just started right there. The fucking cradle um, of civilization, Randy. Exactly. And so what we got specifically, so it's, um, you know, Poosh is a surprise pescatarian wouldn't, wouldn't eat skyline with me, but they have a wonderful like vegan vegetarian menu. Uh, they have meat as well. Uh, but like hummus is TC Muhammara. They have Baba Ganoush. Baba Ganoush. We didn't have it that night. Uh, but the hummus and the Muhammara, which we had like mushroom conserva mixed into it, some charred onion mixed into it. And then they have plates. So you can either order them for yourself or they make really good sharing plates. And so we went with their falafel plate. We they had wood roasted carrots, TC. We did a, uh, a spiced half chicken. Uh, what else do we do? I think we got the, uh, they had like a steak dish. And so kind of four big dishes, some appetizers, they have the most fabulous like warm pita bread that they bring out and it just was like a lot of good food good company that's the meal that stands out to me this year okay i love it it sounds sounds right up my alley man it's uh i'm surprised with you really like it with push did you guys uh order every single dish on the menu just about we left a couple off uh I think, what did we leave? They had like an egg. Actually, I think we actually did get the eggplant dish. You know what? We may have gotten, oh, we didn't get the lamb because Poosh doesn't eat meat and yeah. I don't really like lamb. So we left the lamb off. What about, uh, I see they have a whole, whole, you know, whole fish on there. Did you get the whole, was it Branzino or something? You know, they had a special fish that night. God, I would have to remember what it was, but we did get a fish dish. And that's the thing they have, they always have like, two specials and they're, they're excellent. Uh, but just like the, the hummus, the dips, the, the warm pita bread, they have dip additions that you can mix in. Like I said, like some chard onion or some mm-hmm. mushroom or some shawarma. Uh, it's, it's just a great, great place. Good food. Uh, comfy, not stuffy. Nice we wine list too. on the patio. Yeah. They got some really, really cool stuff on their wine list. I'm looking at right now. So Awesome. Well, good stuff. Overall, out in Denver, are you are you uh, you pleased with the food scene? I know there's a lot of a lot of good stuff going on out there right now. I am pleased with the food scene. There are a number of good restaurants, very walkable to me. I honestly, the thing TC that I need to do is make myself get out to the wider areas yeah. and explore more restaurants. Um, you know, it's so easy just to walk somewhere that I can kind of get lulled into just staying in my small area. So the more I can get out, try new stuff, uh, huge taco scene, as you might imagine out here, a lot of, lot of from like hole in the wall, small taco shops, to the more bougie, fancy taco shops. I just tried the other night, a place called tacos, tequila and whiskey. And I thought the tacos there were phenomenal. Okay. So I think that's been, that's been one of the highlights there's a really, so I'm a big sucker for Italian food. Everybody says the best Italian places and it's really upscale is Tavernetta here, which I have not tried, but that's probably near the top of my list um, of places I'd love to uh, seek out. Have you been to Little Man Ice Cream yet? 
Oh, yes. A few times. Easy Does it live up to the, the hype? Corner. It's good. Yeah, it's very good. Their salted Oreo is probably my favorite flavor. They have a bunch of seasonal rotations. I, I still think Graders is better, but Little Man certainly is good. They have unbelievable lines there, uh, like around the block, warm weather, cold weather. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and then the other place that I, I've been a couple times this year, just when I was out to we, the first event we had, and then I met uh, I met Alex uh, in Denver, and I was there like a day early. So we were going out to a wedding in, in Keystone, but the, the, the cocktail bar slash coffee place, The Wild, down uh, kind of by Union Station there. Have you been there yet? I have, but I have not had a cocktail. I've been for yeah. coffee. And it's a really fun location right across from the main entrance to Union Station. Uh, they have a nice outdoor space when the weather's a little warmer inside. They have plenty of room. I need to go back there for a cocktail because the coffee, I had like a granola bowl and mm -hmm. coffee, did some work one day. It, it was great. Very friendly staff. It, it was awesome. And I'll say this too. There's a bar inside union Station's Very cool. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a bar up there. Uh, that's a fun place to grab a drink as well. We ate at the, there's like a Spanish kind of a Northwestern kind of Basque cuisine, Spanish place right off front, kind of front right there. It was, it was, it was pretty good. They had like 10 yeah. fishes and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, there's a place Alex and I went a few years ago. I, I'm sure I know it's a kind of a top, you know, very, very expensive place, but Friend of ours made us a reservation there, uh, Frasca in Boulder, kind of northeastern Italian cuisine, up by Venice. Uh, it's really, really cool. If you ever like, it's a you know special occasion place. But you know, Randy, once you once you find your your uh, your cowgirl out there, uh, that's a place to take her. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll keep that in mind. Okay. Thank you, TC. All right. Well, good stuff. And then you know, just as far as you know, moving out there, are you are you. You still cooking a lot for yourself? Using the crock pot? What's your what's your play? Getting more into cooking. You know, when 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 our travel schedule picks up, I find it hard to yeah. get in a good rhythm just between keeping fresh food in the refrigerator. So with kind of now through the first part of twenty twenty two, not having as much travel certainly, uh definitely want to get in more of a cooking rhythm. I've been, I think the two things I use most, the crock pot, honestly, I haven't used it that much since I've moved out here. I, I should whip it back out. With it getting chilly, I've, I've been making chili. I, I love chili. Uh, my mom has a very simple recipe that I think is excellent. So I'll make like big batch of chili and then that'll last me, you know, I can freeze some of it and, you know, have a two or three meals at least throughout a week just with, with chili. Uh, and then the other thing I use a ton is just a cast iron skillet. So I don't have a grill, but getting better at cooking meat on a, on a cast iron, you know, searing it and then putting it in the oven. Best way to do it. In my opinion, as far as chili goes, what's, what's in Peggy Landis's chili recipe. It's almost embarrassingly simple. Oh, that's it's, it's great. I think that's awesome. So the base recipe is just uh, a large can of diced tomatoes just empty it into the pot kind of a medium can of uh, dark red kidney beans okay empty it in the pot then separate to that a pound of ground beef and then mccormick's makes a chili spice like a, a packet okay. you can find 
and put that on the ground beef, add that obviously into the pot once it's it's browned up and, and the spice, the seasoning is mixed in. And then honestly, it's up to you. I add a little onion and I add some peppers, some jalapeno. I like a little bit of a kick and then let that simmer for 30 minutes initially. I usually don't eat it the day I make it. I like to, I'll simmer it for 30 minutes and then I'll just stick it in the fridge. And then the next day, usually you got to add just like a little bit of water. Uh, It just depends like how thick or not thick you like your chili. Mm -hmm. So I add a little bit of water to the pot, bring it up to, you know, heat it up and then, you know, get some nice cheese crackers. Usually I'll make some like cornbread in the oven and oh my God, I, I just love it. I love chili. <laughs> I, I So I had chili the other night, actually at a friend's house, Harrison and Hope. And uh, I was like, man, I really like this chili. And then I realized it didn't have beans in it. And oh. I li- I don't mind beans, but I think too often they're used as filler in chili where, you know, it, it kind of yeah. it, like too often there's just too many beans in chili. I like beans. I just don't like you know, I like the meat and the tomatoes more than the beans, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up not loving the beans, but I've, I've grown to like the beans weirdly. I think that's personal preference. Like I said, I, I kind of like putting the, the onions and I like a little bit of heat. So I'll put some like diced jalapenos in there. Um, they've probably got, you can like finish it with sour cream and cheese and some crackers. There was a Uh, place in Atlanta, Taqueria del Sol. They always had a green, like New Mexico green chilies, they always had like a green chili, uh, green chili chili with uh, like chicken and or and or pork in there that was just fantastic. And, well, and so that's what's huge out here. It's the green chili, mm-hmm. and it's good, but I love the red chili. It's not quite so. as hearty, right? It, that's right. Like I think my favorite chili in the world is probably from Zips in Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, they just make like a really just proper red chili. And so that's what I try to emulate with my mom's recipe is that red chili. But yeah, tons of really good green chili options out here in Denver. I almost think of it almost as more of a side sometimes, but I, I think you can like eat it as like a, a bowl of chili, you know? I think that's I, you the, know what you know, good chili. Found? You Good chili you can eat as, a, as an entree. Exactly. Bad chili is just a side. You know? And what I have not seen anywhere yet is a good white chicken chili around here, which okay. I do like a, a white chicken chili from time to time as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, I love oyster crackers. Like I could eat a whole, yes. I could eat a whole box or bag of oyster <laughs> crackers in one sitting. It's my favorite thing. Those, uh, they are so good. And I also have a very big soft spot for the club crackers. Yeah. I think those make really good, uh, you know, you kind of break them up and put them in a little chili. bit thicker than like your average saltine, you know? Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, Randy, thank you. Thanks so much for joining. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know you had such a big, big, uh, soft spot for, for Italian food. That's great. Oh, massive. I could eat pasta and pizza. I think every day. The same if, way. If my, could. my, the, the Italian place by us, Catullo's went in there the other night, first time in a while. And, uh, they're only serving my black garlic clams dish mm. uh on the weekends now which was mm. just devastating so I'm, I'm still kind of reeling from that but uh, I, I will say Catullo's is was the best meal in jacksonville when i was living there that was my that was my favorite yeah uh, excellent excellent italian food used to be a food truck uh two brothers um and then they they got a brick and mortar location just in kind of a strip mall up near atlantic beach and no reservations and most nights you're waiting an hour and a half, two hours. So I go in there by, Alex always gets mad at me. I go in there by myself. I'll sit at the bar 
get a glass of wine, get like two entrees, and then I'll bring home takeout for the family. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, awesome. You know, yeah. if you ever get back to Columbus, have you been to La Tavola in Grandview? I haven't. I've been to, was it, Marcella's in Short North before? I think that's okay. the only Italian place I've been to. I have not been there, but I think you would absolutely love. I, La, La Tavola might be my favorite. You told me about that when I think I think when we world. did the Columbus preview with RC Kunk. You're saying yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So if you if you ever get back there, just speaking of like really good Italian places, that's uh, that might actually be number one on my list. Okay, good stuff, Randy. Thank you. Enjoyed hearing everybody's experiences from the year. I'll keep mine relatively brief. I think you know some of them were covered within those like. Uh, ben referenced Emmer and Rye down in Austin. We had a great meal there from their tasting menu or Loro down there, kind of a cool Asian barbecue thing, which normally wouldn't really appeal to me. And then the Dungeness crab dinner that we had at Gearheart, um, thanks to Jason Bangild and, and uh, Maddie Brown and all the members out there. I think they both caught the crabs, cooked them for us and served them to us. So it was, uh, that was a special experience in the, uh, in the maintenance shed out there. I think I ate, I ate crabs with lean shards for probably three or four hours straight. My hands were bleeding by the end of it. Dungeness crabs are so much meatier and that knuckle is just incredible. A couple other spots that stuck out. My wife and I went up to Boston for uh, a wedding in May or June. And uh, we went to a couple wine bars actually up there, wine bars and kind of small plates. Um, both of them are sister restaurants. Haley Henry is in downtown crossing. Um, they've got, you know, kind of some Spanish tapas style stuff. Um, you know, tinned fish and ceviche and crudo and, and, you know, some good charcuterie and, and uh, that sort of thing, but unbelievable wine program. Definitely a great, you know, I was blown away by it. I wish it would have been there. Actually, it's probably a good thing it wasn't there when I lived there because I would have spent way too much money there. All natural wines, just really, really thoughtful and diverse wine list. And then their sister uh, place, Natalie or Nathalie, out in Kenmore, Fenway area, right down the street from uh, Fenway Park. Similar concept, um, but even more, it's it's only female produced wines. So, which is, I, th- I think, you know, wine is a pretty, uh, pretty not misogynistic, but... Uh, Maybe that's the best word for it. It's pretty male dominated. It's pretty, um, it's definitely a patriarchy. So kind of giving some lift to some super talented female winemakers uh, from around the globe. I was shocked at like how good some of the whites they had were. Some really, really funky, funky whites. Some oxidated wines. Just uh, they had some stuff with petrol in the nose and just some really, really like knock your socks off funky whites. So great staff in there. It's, uh, it's, you know, it was a fascinating night that we spent in there. We actually uh, went in. It was the Yankees were in town playing the Red Sox, and my wife and I went in. And most of the wait staff, there is, you know, they're all um, lesbian venophiles, basically is how I would describe it. And we had such a good time. Uh, they were they were just such a such a fantastic fantastic hospitality in there, and and really really colorful atmosphere. Uh, so I can't wait to get back there next time I'm in Boston. Just down the road in Providence, uh, I flew in, was playing around a little bit south of Providence, and then headed up to Boston after that. But um, was staying by the airport in a uh, little little place just south of the airport called Huck's Filling Station. A little neighborhood spot, great oysters, big garage doors that open up. Uh, I actually went there that night when I flew in, and then I went there the next day with 
a buddy, uh, Eric from Flyers Club, from a Flyers Club that I uh, I played with that that day, and I said, dude, I, I ate here last night, but I got to go back. It was that good. Just unbelievable kind of appetizers, great dishes, great cocktail list. Um, just a fantastic place, like perfect mix of neighborhood approachable, but also like world class. And then on that note too, the wild out in Colorado, I talked to Randy some in his section about that. That place rules, cool cocktails, great coffee, just a great space kind of right, right downtown, right by union station there in Denver. Uh, we had a Joe T's this year for the third or fourth year in a row in Fort Worth. Uh, I don't know if it's the best Tex-Mex. I love it, man. It's the uh, fajitas there. It's just a, just a fun spot and cash only, you know, good kind of place. Neil and Ben and I ate at Fishman's Lobster House in uh, Toronto. I think we talked about that a little bit. That was outrageous. Crab and lobster just piled to the ceiling. Uh, thanks to the level wear guys for that. And then the meals that uh, Ben and I had in Kansas City as well. Overall, it was a little bit, I traveled a lot, but I didn't really, it's kind of a weird year for restaurants and everything. Probably the biggest, uh, biggest takeaways for me were um, the wines that I've been drinking at home. Just tried to join some producers, uh, wine clubs, uh, basically just get an allocation, whether it be Brock or Pax or uh, Julie Laid or, you know, Arno Roberts. Um, but some of the ones that have been the most, uh, enjoyable and rewarding have been uh, Darling, Tom and Ashley Darling, young winemakers out in uh, Sonoma, California, do Syrah, uh, Syrah, Pinot Noir, and Chardonnay, and just fantastic. I've, I've had probably three vintages from them now, um, a member of theirs for like two years maybe, and it's just been every year it keeps getting better and better, and they're so different seasonally, but in the best way. Um, and they're they're sourcing from really really cool vineyards and just you know I could not be a bigger fan of what they're doing and couldn't be more excited to see kind of things as they progress moving forward as well um, and great great just packaging and graphic design and website and all of it it's just super sharp um, it just matches the aesthetic and the philosophy of the winemaking so much uh, and then Craven uh, Craven wines from South Africa makes become a good friend uh, just through basically Instagram um, and, you know, drank a lot of his. And so earlier this year, he's an Australian guy living in South Africa, making wines down in Stellenbosch and uh, just super talented doing really, really high quality stuff. Um, starting to pop up here and there at different wine, you know, kind of well-connected wine shops around the country. Um, like I saw them last week when I was up in Atlanta and, um, and they're, Pinot Gris is like, it's got a little bit of orange, like skin contact on it. Fantastic. Their Syrah is unbelievable. Their Cab is just world-class. The Cinso, uh, wonderful, you know, kind of warm weather red. So love that one. And then the one that's just totally changed the game for me is uh, from Envinate, group of four uh, friends, winemakers in Spain that do some stuff out in the Canary Islands as well. And uh, it's called Benje Negro, um, which is, it's a like a Liston Negro grape that, you know, you shouldn't really be able to grow wine in the Canary Islands, but it is, uh, it tastes like cured meats and just salty gaminess, which is very much up my alley. Um, just really, really wild wine. And their, their whites are 
right there with it. Benji Blanco and then their Al- Albahra, which is a Garnacha Tintorera. That one's actually red, but it's it's kind of a, I don't know. They're just, like, there's something about these wines. They're so radically different from anything that you've had before that I, I had the first bottle of the Benji Negro probably last Thanksgiving, uh, 2020, and bought it in Atlanta and basically didn't stop thinking about it ever since, couldn't find it, and then walked into the wine shop on Holcomb Bridge in Atlanta last week, and they had a case of it, so I just bought the case, and along with you know some of their other stuff as well, and just some of the coolest wine I've ever had. So again, none of this is, this is all stuff that I've kind of come to. This is, when we say no free ads, these are free ads. These are this is stuff that I've been <laughs> spending a bunch of money to buy and enjoy and drink. So, um, you know, just just like some of the most quality, cool, you know, emerging producers out there. And then lastly, I think the other big thing I've done a few times this year is, is get, has been getting uh, oysters shipped down here from Island Creek. I'm sure there's other companies that do it as well, but get well fleets or Island Creeks or Mookie Blues from Maine and, and you know, get... 100, 150 of them flown down. You got to like shucking them, which, you know, I definitely do. But, uh, you know, once you get the hang of it, you can kind of knock it out quick. But just some of the best, they come in that morning or that, like, you know, overnight, the night prior, they're delivered basically same day. You know, they're just as fresh as anything you'd find in a restaurant, if not fresher. So um, can't recommend that enough. And you can get it down to, that's my big problem is when I go out to restaurants or, you know, like Ben and I went to... uh, Perlis in Austin. I think I spent, you know, $250 on oysters, right? But I think, you know, getting it down to like a dollar an oyster when you, when you, you know, order them mail to order and you shuck them yourself, it's, it's certainly worth it. You can eat a hell of a lot more of them for a hell of a lot cheaper, uh, especially if, if you got a big group. So that's it for this week's trap draw. Uh, Randy and I have some great stuff planned for the rest of the year, uh, including a very comprehensive airports 2.0 podcast as well as a couple of special guests so stay tuned and uh get your december cranking off right